1: These two guys have Minnesota sports
0: flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com.
2: We've had moments where there's been some inconsistencies. We've had moments where we've swung the bats well. Uh, we've had moments where we've gotten a lot of guys on base and brought none of them home. We, we're going to keep going. We're, we, uh, we're going to work. We're going we're to try to play good baseball and fundamental baseball. Um, we're nowhere near as good as we need to be right now. But overall, I, like I said before the game, um, we've done more things well this year so far in the first half.
0: You know what can help the Twins get to be as good as they want to be? What's that, Phil? Reckless speculation. <laughs> Better pitching. Oh, really? I'm not sure. Better I mean, come on. pitching. Reckless speculation. Better pitching. Yes, That's my recommendation.
1: Yeah. That would help, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it'd be great. Better starters, better bullpen.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh let's just let's fire up some twins statements here on this, this Monday. Statements edition of Mackie and Joe. We have a buffoon of the week and the NBA not happy with what the Timberwolves traded to get Rudy Gobert, which we'll get into as well. But Judd, the floor is yours here. Twins kinda of stumbling into the all star break. Oh. They are five games below five hundred since May twenty fourth still in first place of what's just been a really bad division so far. So on one hand, they're in first place. On the other hand, they've been limping for about two months now, two weeks away from the trade deadline. Let's fire it up.
1: Statement number one, what a train wreck. So the Twins lose three of four in pretty spectacular fashion to the White Sox. They've now lost, as Phil just said, not playing well going into the All-Star break, seven to ten. Just to encapsulate these past four games against a division rival that appears to be heating up, okay? And a team that is now three games back. The Guardians are two games back of the Twins. The Twins in this four game series were outscored thirty-two to ten. Thirty-two to ten. The Sox were fourteen for thirty-nine, three fifty-nine average with runners in scoring position. The Twins, four of twenty-five. That's one sixty. Twin starters gave up 15 earned runs in 16 and two-third innings for an 8-10 ERA. And the relievers, not to be outdone, said, wait for us. They gave up 15 earned runs and seven home runs in 19 and one-third innings. This was a complete train wreck. And to go back to the reckless speculation sounder, if this does not trigger something, Something you need to make moves. You have a year of Korea. You, you've basically, uh, you're in a terrible division that you can win. And then if you are prepared for the playoffs, can actually go in with some hope of competing. Uh, but the re this series in particular and the recent play of the twins has shown everybody what this team is and why they need so much pitching help.
0: It's a good segue. I'll just normally I would respond to your statement. I'm going to respond All to your right. statement with my own statement you, here. You do you. Yep. You're on okay. the show. Everything you just said makes sense. But my statement is I don't know if this Twins front office has the gamble needed to make big deadline moves. I don't know if ownership I think I almost feel like ownership has also been involved in pumping the brakes over the years. Listen, be careful about gutting the farm system. Those are players we rely on to come up on rookie-scale contracts, right, be under team control for six years. Mm-hmm. So in 2019, when the Twins had the greatest power-hitting team in the history of Major League Baseball, literally the greatest power-hitting team in the history of Major League Baseball, a 100-win Twins team, and they had a chance to add significant pieces of some kind, probably pitching because their lineup was certainly intact. We take a sip of my... Uh, Water out of my retro Nyes cup here. Mm. Oh, mm. very Nyes nice. Very oh. Mm. Oh. I miss the old Nyes. The Called old the respect, Nyes. I the new one. Nah, but, you know. I agree with you right there. That's okay. So instead of adding, you know, an arm, somebody other than Randy Dobnak to start a playoff game at Yankee Stadium, they did add Sergio Romo, who was solid for them. He became their eighth inning guy. But the only other piece they added was Sam Dyson, who was actually hurt before the trade. Right. Pitched like nine games or something. So they, they basically hedged. They said, eh. I don't know, price is a little steep on this guy over here, that guy over there. And they decided, let's try and keep one foot in 2019, because we think we can maybe make a run at this thing. We're going to win 100 games as constructed. And then we can also keep a foot in future seasons, right? Well, they get in and they get smoked in the playoffs, and you know we all know what happened. So this team is on pace for nothing close to 100 wins. They are nowhere close to being the greatest power-hitting team in the history of baseball. This is an 86-win team pace right now as we sit, you know, whatever they are, 100 games in the season. So are they going to be more aggressive now than they were when they had a better team and a better chance in a a weaker American League in 2019? That's what I'm so curious about. If they hedged in 2019, would they learn from that and then move chips in and be more aggressive this year? Or would they say, well, I mean, uh, we're just... You know, we're just not that team. We're just, we're not the Yankees. We're not the Astros. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they are going to have the courage or the gamble that you need to make these moves. They probably need three pitchers. If you really want to have an outside chance at like going through a couple different teams in the American League, unless their goal is to just win a playoff game, which would be a noble goal because they haven't done it in 18 years. My goal. So I'm very (laughs) curious to see. My goal. What they do in the next two weeks? <laughs> just win a damn game, dude. Uh, yeah,
1: what's so sad is you're right. just win a game. what's so sad, what's so pathetic is you're right like, and I just want to see I want to see them nod to the fact that that they and in to go back to our earlier discussions, they do not have to give any wins back, so like you don't have to return wins, but I want to see them nod to the fact that sometime in March and April, God smiled on this team and said, you know what, Carlos Correa is going to be yours for a year. And then God said, and I'm also going to put you in in a division that's going to be horse bleep. Go to it. Go to it. And now, now, the Lord is saying, but it's up to you to do something (laughs) to help yourselves, right? Like, this is your chance. Like, I'm done helping. White Sox get get getting hot. Cleveland, you know, they're... OK, but the point is, now it's up to you, Derek. Now it's up to you, Thad. Now it's up to you, Jim. You have to help themselves, yourself. And instead, I, you might be right, man. And if they don't do something at this point in time with the year of Korea, my
0: God. Well, you know, I don't know if, if they decided right now, you know, they got a few days to to think about things and to to gather their thoughts after the draft and during the All-Star break here. Right? It's a nice little five-day window for them to say, all right, trade deadline's in two weeks. What do we got here? What are we sitting on here? What do the Yankees have? What do the Astros have? Does it matter? Do we care what they have? Do we just want to you know, worry about ourselves and get better? Or do we candidly just not have, even if we add a couple pitchers, is this just not a good enough collection? I wouldn't fault them if they came to that conclusion and said, you know, we could add a couple arms, but it's not worth the cost. It's not worth giving up Kirillov or somebody. You know, the, the, the A's aren't going to budge on Montas unless you give up, you know, an established young player or something. And that could very well be possible. But if that's the conclusion that they come to, <laughs> if they decide we're just not going to add two or three high caliber bullpen and starting arms to this team, it's not a good enough team, then you have to trade Carlos Correa. He's going to walk as a free agent in 3 months from now. Yes. Like that that's that and no one Nick we're the only show talking about this by the way and we're considered to be outlandish clickbait artists for suggesting Peter. I'm not suggesting that they should trade I'm saying they should trade for three pitchers, but if they don't have the gamble to trade for three pitchers, right. then what are we doing here? Then then what then, then do you want to watch Correa walk in 3 months for nothing when you could have landed two or three top prospects to help get better in 2023-24, I mean, that that's staring them in the face these next two weeks as a front office. Yeah, my, my statement after
2: watching, uh, and I was at Thursday's debacle where Johnny Cueto threw like 140 pitches through six innings and, and the White Sox, I think, won like 10-2. to two. I finally left. Yeah, good for you. I didn't. Uh, well, I, I, I'm sorry, I left in the 8th. I did leave. I capped I out. Yeah. I almost missed Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson almost pegged me with the ball uh, from, from, the, from, the, from the stands in the concourse shot. I didn't tell you that. That happened oh. on Thursday. He might, I was with my girlfriend's little brother, and he, and he just heaves one. Yeah. heaves what, one from, from third base all the way, almost hits the concourse, and a, a big meteor guy got his paws on it uh, quicker than old Dex tweets did. And and uh, mm. little Joe was you know uh, a little disappointed that he didn't nothing, get the ball.
1: Nothing is as overrated in life as a baseball.
2: Well, I, I, as an adult, yeah. Like, if I caught a ball, I would give it to a child or yeah. i give it to a kid. I, I'm not. But this man was also older than me, and I was like, dude, are you really going to keep this ball, and you're not going to give it to like a 15 year old? But that's. We're not going to go down the path of that right now. Uh, My statement, though, is the clock is ticking. So we're we're at the halfway point, you know, the the pseudo halfway point in the MLB season. It's all-star week. Uh, The Twins are limping in a little bit. They've lost 7 of 10, still in first place, but 7 of 10. Uh, Two teams breathing down their necks in the Sox and the Indians. Uh, so, after this festivities end, right? It's the home run derby tonight. The All Star game is uh, is this weekend. The clock is ticking. Uh, for all my Stranger Things fans, Vecna is coming to the twins. And we have two paths here. Sorry for the spoiler alerts, but if you hadn't seen Stranger Things by now, it's on you or just hit the mute button for the next two minutes. Uh, Vecna is coming. Wow. We're just going <laughs> to. All right. Just going to give a big spoiler here. Okay. Yeah, Vecna is coming. All right, So, the clock's going to strike four times and we're all either going to die or we're going to save the day. This pitching staff needs significant upgrades. And if it's if it's not even in the rotation, go get three bullpen arms. Go make an elite bullpen. And I get the argument that, like, well, I don't want to overspend for bullpen ads because you can find that stuff easily internally, and it's easier to just find that stuff in the offseason. But if our starters aren't going to go deep into games, then what's the point? What's really the point in getting someone if they're always gonna pull them by the third time through the order? If I see one more person pull the pack, well, do you know third time through the order that a hitter hits a starter better? Yes! Everyone knows that. But if the starter's gonna get pulled longer, or get pulled earlier, excuse me, go get legitimate bullpen arms. Make yourself look like the Kansas City Royals from six, seven years ago. Build up the bullpen that way. Um, and if and if you're scared of overpaying, you're going to have to overpay. You're a first place team who is desperate. You don't find the gum on the street and then turn it into a lottery ticket. It's not going to work like that. Um, so this team hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt to say, oh, no, we're, we're just fine. It's happy to be here. We got Carlos Correa. Got off to the hot start. We could win this Central Division. You've lost 18 consecutive playoff games. I've spent more chunks of my life watching playoff losses since the last time I saw a Twins playoff win. You have not earned the benefit of the doubt. So go get some relievers, bump up your pitching, and win a damn playoff game. Show me something over these next two weeks.
1: But Phil is right. If, if they say no, like if they say, you know what, Dex, we've l- looked at this thing up and down. The Astros are really good. The Yankees are great, historically great, and we've got no chance. Then I think you do have a choice. Like I think you have a choice, and that is going to be a choice that is going to be absolutely met with disdain by the fans that care. If you trade Correa, but if you don't, what's the point?
0: You know, I threw this out because you know Twitter is always a great gauge for what the masses think reasonably 100%. across mm-hmm. you know a wide sample size. Amen. So I did, I did send out my Correa theory again here, and i like I feel like people just misconstrued you. You can't trade yeah. Correa. And I'm not saying trade Correa. I'm saying go get three pitchers. But if you decide we're not going to get three pitchers, but you but you can't do that to the clubhouse. No, you know what you can and I can t- I can tell you for a fact Carlos Correa wants them to trade for something. Carlos Correa is pushing behind the scenes for the Twins to do something. I'm not saying he's being aggressive, I'm just saying he would like to play on a team that has a chance to win a World Series here. So what does it say to the clubhouse if you don't make moves to help this team that's trying to hang on to first place? That's what I'd be worried about. Right. Not like oh, is are, what? What are they going to think if you wind up trading Korea? Well, I would say, I would ask the other question: What are they going to wind up thinking if you don't add anything of significance to a team that's been trying to stay in front in first place and go win ninety plus games? So, anyhow, all right, we're back to Judd here. I think
1: all right. My next statement is this: He has a point. So, so Smeltzer said after being pulled before he was allowed to go through the White Sox three times on Friday that he was blindsided which I thought was a very interesting word, uh, blindsided by Rocco's decision to remove him. He had given up at that point uh, two runs in three. He hadn't pitched great. Uh, But then Baldelli said, well, he might have been, but here's the deal. Quote, we're not going to tell a guy when he might come out before a game starts, but it's basically decided.
0: Um, I think that this is, I think that this you is, might, you might want to communicate yeah, a little better than these guys. I think that this is so
1: open for That's conversation here. Now, now I want to be very clear here. I want to start this by saying, I know Devin Smeltzer is not exactly Colfax. Okay. So. No, he's not. In a vacuum of talking about Smeltzer, I understand that we could certainly debate. Well, who cares if he knows he's not that good? He he was obviously just optioned to uh, AAA St. Paul on Sunday. But the point is this: the point is what Smeltzer said, and I appreciate this because he had the guts to say it. One, I'm curious how many guys think this. Two, I'm curious if you have a plan for a pitcher who you trust why you wouldn't communicate said plan, because clearly it's made before the game by a bunch of people, Rocco included, but not just him. So he didn't just come out and say, all right, Smelty, give me the ball. I've just decided to take you out. Um, This to me is so intriguing because if you're a pitcher and you have any status at all, how would you feel about basically knowing that there's an expiration date on you for every start? And you're not being told, but the expiration date is there when you throw your first warm up pitch of the evening.
0: Okay. I need to I need to piggyback again with a statement here. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate Devin Smelzer being open, and he is essentially a surrogate for a bigger twins problem here. Mm-hmm. But Devin Smeltzer is terrible the third time through the order, mm-hmm. and so it should be obvious where he's gonna get pulled from a game. And I don't know if 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 just like the twins aren't over communicating the obvious to him, or if he is maybe just I don't know oblivious or blocking it out in his career. This is nuts. Okay, mm-hmm. first time through the order, Devin Smeltzer allows a 6.50 OPS, which is really darn good as a pitcher. A 6.50 OPS against would be you know the grounds for sending someone to the minor leagues as a hitter. Second time through the order, it gets a little better. It's actually a 629 OPS, second time. So he's actually one of the better pitchers in baseball in his small sample size career to this point. Uh, First two times through the order. Mm -hmm. Third time through the order, the opposing OPS doubles to 1228. 1,220. The opponents are slugging 831 third time through the order against Devin Smeltzer. And so I feel like... His message is correct in that the Twins have a huge, flawed pitching system right now. They've got starters that aren't good enough go, to go third time through the order or deep into games. I'm not saying it's realistic for everyone to be Max Scherzer and just send them out there for eight innings every night, mm-hmm. but they have a crop of starting pitchers that they don't trust collectively to go a third time through the order, and they also have one of the least reliable bullpens in baseball. So something's got to give. Like They, they need better right. pitchers is probably the solution here. Uh, so I'm I'm conflicted because on one hand I don't know that Devin Smeltzer should be the uh, you know the the white knight to deliver this message like dude you're coming out of the game because you're not that good, but overall the way this is constructed the Twins keep running out you know five innings of relief pitchers almost every night it feels like in fact the major league starters have gone seven-plus innings almost 400 times this year. The Twins account for six of those outings. Yeah, that's remarkable. So it is rare that a Twin starter goes beyond six in any game so far this year. So they got a problem, and the only thing they can solve it is better pitching at this point.
1: And I, I think it's Meltzer's defense here a bit. I think if he was taken out for a guy who was good, he'd be like, okay, I didn't like it, but I get it, right? But Emilio Pagan comes in and immediately... You know, but I think that's the problem. Like, the Twins are saying, okay, we're going to go from a guy who gets crappy to a guy who is crappy because we could justify the crap. How so? So, like, that that's the problem. It's, yeah,
0: they're, they're screwed either way. Like, it's, I don't, think, I don't right. think you can rip – the only thing you can rip Rocco for here is, how does Devin Smelter not know that he's so bad the third time through the order? Like, why is no one saying to Devin, hey, just so you know – It's not a personal thing. You're really good the first two times for the order. And so if you can give us four or five, that's great. But once you get the third time through, we're going to pull you. It's not open communication. It's not a Rocco thing,
1: though. It's a twins thing, and it's a hubris thing of them. No, but Rocco needs to communicate it. It's up to Rocco to communicate it. But the front office could just say, dude, at 2 o'clock every day, if we play at 7, at 2 o'clock every day, your fate is decided. Now, if you don't look like that, we'll try and trade you. But your fate or is not, or not. But your fate your is smells. is decided by ten guys, <laughs> um, or eight guys, or five. I don't know. But the point is, it's the hubris of how they operate that drives me crazy. And if Smeltzer and every other pitcher is an employee, and think about if you if you started your shift not knowing when it was going to end, but your boss knew. And your boss just arbitrarily would say, okay, now it's done, instead of being like, okay, here's why Here's why it's going to end. I love this whole thing, and this was what drives me crazy about a lot of, of people in positions of authority. They think they know what they're doing, and when it starts to leak out what they're doing, it's like, okay, so you took Smelzer out to put Pagan in. I can tell you right now, you guys are idiots for allowing yourselves to be in that position. Like, if you want to... Go to a relief pitcher after Smelzer, Totally get that. First of all, tell him. But second of all, run it by the guy on the street who's going to say if you put Pagan in, you're crazy.
0: Yeah, and of course think, he but, delivered but a home think, run. But what there, there's two different discussions here. You are ripping the Twins for pulling Smeltzer for Pagan. The real problem is that Smelzer and Pagan are the two options, right? So you're kind. Of, it's that's what a front I, office that's rip what I'm saying, here. Yes. But, and they're, I, and so I don't. I actually don't. I don't blame them for not wanting Smeltzer to face right. a lineup the third time through. But forget Smeltzer.
1: We, I now think Jose Barrios's fate in the Houston game was decided that morning. Yeah, inexcusable. So, so to be clear, because yes, if I, I am not arguing on behalf of Smeltzer. I'm arguing on behalf of the fact that they are making decisions that are misguided, and we are now finding out how they're going about it, and it's absolutely idiotic. Kenta Maeda's fate in that playoff game, in which, by the way, he pitched great, again, decided in the morning.
0: Yeah, it feels like there's very – I understand that front offices, because there's so much more data and information and there's process that's going into these decisions now compared to 15 or 20 years ago, there's probably only a small handful of managers that actually, like, manage their own game in today's baseball, and I totally get that. But there needs to be some room for nuance. I mean, and and I didn't Correct. I didn't watch a whole lot of those first three innings, so I'm not gonna lie. But Smelcher was saying, hey, it looked bad and my control wasn't amazing, but it was a lot of soft, weak contact, and I was just kind of hoping to be able to go another couple innings to salvage something. And the other problem they run into is their bullpen isn't good, period. Right. But then when you start to you know, okay, we're going to pull him after 3 innings because it's not going that well and the 3rd time through the order is approaching in like four more batters. And by doing that, you're taxing again an already sort of crappy bullpen. These right. guys are pitching more innings than they should. Uh, I believe the Twins bullpen is bottom 5 in major league baseball in wins above replacement despite throwing a lot more innings than most other bullpens. 55 a cumulative stats. A really big indictment.
1: 55
0: home runs against including, I believe, three yeah. off Joe Smith on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it would be nice if it were as easy to trim runs off your ERA as it is to tr- to trim a fat off your body like Judd has oh, the last year. So. That suit. That's exactly right.
1: Yep. How did you
0: like the suit? How did you like the suit, the suit,
1: like the suit game? The hair game? You look the like Daniel Craig. Yeah. Daniel
0: Craig in the casino with a tight fitting yeah. Italian suit. The
2: next one is you have to get off the beach like he does in Casino Royale. Like that's gonna be the next Judd picture yeah. when he gets the water out. With that's the, gonna the take a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna take a while. And then <laughs>
1: that of course is is thanks to my friends, at Livia Weight Control centers down forty pounds. If you go on Twitter and search my my uh, Twitter you will find a picture of me on Saturday at a wedding where I'm going to say right now, I look like a 50-plus male model, <laughs> gentlemen. I mean, I'm looking good. I'm fit and trim. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, six months back, that suit, no chance. No chance. That suit wouldn't have fit. I couldn't have got the pants on. I couldn't have got the shirt buttoned. Uh, but now I can. A- and Dawn and I went to our... our. Uh, ceremony on saturday wedding she's down uh 12 pounds just about 12 pounds 40 pounds for me and maintaining it and that again is all thanks to our friends uh who now have the smart plan where you'll get one-on-one personalized and and there it is there it oh, is, there look, it at is. Look, at look, look at that
0: look at that look at for the youtube audience the we, youtubers are uh, gracing can see you it. with james bond Judd exactly right here
1: exactly right one-on-one personalized and and guided support online or in person whichever is most convenient For you, the simple start plan is only $59. Um, And 855-GO-LIVEA-LIVIA.com. L-I-V-E-A.com. I'm telling you right now, it works. And the best part is, as you saw there, Keeping the weight off is also possible, and that's the most important thing. Livia.com if you want to fit into those clothes that don't fit right now.
0: By the way, while we're getting our lives in order here, Valley Park Medical Clinic is dedicated to providing breakthrough ED remedies to men in the greater Minneapolis area. Okay, let's let's get that confidence going to another level here, too. It's the only clinic in Minnesota to use the True Pulse Protocol, one of the most effective solutions for ED available. Surgery-free, drug-free, non-invasive, and discreet all of these things play into your favor. Trying to get this part of your life in order. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com uh, Okay, so this might actually lead into Judd's buffoon of the week if our brief chat pre-show was any indication here. But my next statement is something perfect happened last night for the Twins. Perfect. The Major League Baseball draft. No, they didn't do the whole thing, right? It wasn't no. just like the first round or two? Uh, first two rounds. Okay, and then they do the other 40 through, rounds or three whatever. 3 through
1: 10 today, and then, no, it stops at 20 now.
0: Okay, good. We've yeah. drawn a line on it. It used, to be, it. 50, it used to be 50 on a conference call. He used to just go
1: on <laughs> as long as you want. I'll yeah. take this guy 7,000th and 99th.
0: Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was up to 50 rounds unless like all Ridiculous. 30 teams decided to not draft in one of the previous rounds. But something perfect happened last night for the Minnesota Twins, according to Aaron Gleeman from The Athletic. And I read... Every draft domino seemed to fall in the Twins' favor as the board went perfectly for them to nab high upside players that they never expected to be there at 8-48. and How the Twins landed Brooks Lee and Connor Prelip in a big night full of surprises. You can find the full article at TheAthletic.com. The fact that this draft fell so pristinely perfectly and the Twins landed two of the best young players in the world that they were shocked would fall to 8-48 tells me they have a lot more depth today in their pipeline than they did a day ago or two <laughs> days ago, which means they should feel more comfortable trading from their young pool of players to add pieces to this year's first place team with Carlos Correa. Perfect night last night. Mm. Couldn't have gone better. It, it's the MLB draft. It takes forever. Okay, fine. Here's the buffoon of the week. I know where you're going with this, so go ahead. All right. Not just Gleeman, but to all
1: all of those pundits, and, I, and there were a lot on Twitter last night, who were trying to break down this draft, and oh, my team did great. Like it was the NFL draft. Like these guys were going to be the white knight in shining armor arriving in August. You know what? We need a bat. We just got this kid from high school. He was great in high school. He's going to be great for the take your pick of your team. All right. It, it is buffoonery at its finest. Every draft, as we know, can be a crapshoot and an inexact science. Hockey, football, basketball, but baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Over to curling. <laughs> curling back to lacrosse. No, curling lacrosse. perfect. Cur- Curling's great. But baseball, look, ladies and gentlemen, reserves a special place in draft hell because these guys aren't <laughs> going to be up for four years. These guys aren't going to oh. be, I mean, five years. Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis, God bless him. If he hadn't got hurt, it was still going to take a long time from the time that we were all like, I can't believe the Twins got him. And for anyone to be raving about a pick without at least saying, the team is happy, but who knows, which is the correct response. Like, you know what, if Derek Valvey wants to be like, I can't believe we got this kid. It's the greatest draft pick of all time. You need to preface that with, okay, he's he is happy, but here is – the reality of the situation. And I'm going to give you an example. So right now, when you say, oh, Judd, this is typical negative score, North Judd. I hate Judd. He's back. He was gone on Friday. I really enjoyed that show more. Zolgad Zolgad is so negative. I'm going to give you a quote about last year's draft when the Twins took, or was it last year? Oh, no, two years ago. Aaron Get Sabato. Get your
0: notes together, Judd. Aaron Get your notes Sabato. Together. I
1: want to give you the quote because the year is not important. The quote is, Twins minor league hitting coordinator Danagle Fergus said of the Sabato pick, I'm fired up. He was my number one choice. I had him right behind number one overall pick Spencer Torkelson on my overall board. I really like this kid. Last I heard, Sabato was fat and striking out, okay? In the okay. minor leagues. Nowhere near being prepared to play. So dial it back. And again, if you're going to tell me that a baseball draft pick was great because you were told that by the team, make it very clear that you are not a spokesman for the team. You have to have a difference between Derek Falvey's excited. And and we're also talking about a bunch of people whose lives often uh, are built around metrics, advanced metrics. So like they know the odds here, like they're looking at the odds. The odds are often long and getting to the major leagues as a draft pick is very difficult, or at least it can be. And it's certainly time consuming. So what are you doing on a Sunday night acting like the Minnesota Twins or any other team just, just got in the first two rounds, Mays and Aaron, stop it. Stop being a buffoon.
0: So, uh, wow, that was, uh, there it is. There's your your buffoon of the week here. Just all of the people who are excited about what the Twins did in the draft last night. Um, let me tell you a little, because old Macadac here, as a former Twins beat writer in the uh, early 2010s, he got overly excited a couple times, you know, when you're on the ground level and people around you that you're around with the team get excited about, I don't know, Nick Blackburn's position on the rubber in spring training and David Ortiz notices a little extra dip on that fastball. You might write stupid things like Nick Blackburn set to break out again or something, right? The draft that I remember covering with the most internal excitement. Actually, there were two of them. One of them, one of them kind of 50-50, but the 2011 draft going into it, the twins had a first round pick and then two what's called sandwich picks. So the sandwich picks are, it's like you get compensation for losing a free agent or something. And so you get picks between the first and second rounds. So they had three first or sandwich picks, three of the top 55 picks. And then they had, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way down to whatever they drafted. Let's see here. Uh, they drafted like 52 players in 2011. Of those 52 players, how many of them became. Let's just say uh, quality Major League contributors for the Minnesota Twins. 52 players drafted in 2011. Uh, that was, I believe, I'm, I can't believe I can know this. I think that was the Levi Mitchell
2: pick for the Twins. Uh, Le- Levi Michael. Levi okay. Michael, okay. I'm let's thinking. Let's put some respect no, on No, it's very close, name. Decker. Yeah, Bravo. Let's he put was number, back actually, back Levi then. Mitchell was number one on my board. That's why I was, not, it was the wrong guy. Not to be confused <laughs> with, the, um, <laughs> with
1: Matt... M- Moses, who they took at some point in time back in the early 2000s, I would I guess. Think. I would yeah.
0: guess two, two. The answer is zero. Oh, wow! The Twins drafted 52 players in 2011. Here, so the, here are their 1st rounded sandwich picks: Levi Michael, who, by the way, I don't. He was kind of a kind of a questionable 1st guess pick because he wasn't a power hitter really, and it's like okay, but he was a shortstop. Travis Harrison was a third baseman they drafted out of uh, California High School. Yep. And then Hudson Boyd was kind of the prized pitcher that they drafted, right? He, he was from Fort Myers. He went to high school in Fort Myers and was, was going to walk down the street and go train at Hammond Stadium. And uh, I think he, I think he was out of the – he never pitched in the major leagues. Of the first seven players the Twins drafted in 2011, yep. none of them played a second in the major leagues. Uh, There's a guy named Derek Rodriguez who played 48 games in the major leagues. He was their six round pick, and then the next so the next year was actually a pretty damn good draft for the Twins because they drafted Buxton and Barrios with their first two picks. But then the hype was, hey, the next crop of players that we drafted here is going to help our velocity and strikeout problem. You know, we've been a pitch to contact organization for two decades here. And our goal is to draft a bunch of flamethrowing relief pitchers and starting pitchers that can help us ascend up toward the top of Major League Baseball's strikeout leaderboard at some point. And those pitchers were Luke Bard, Mason Melatakis, J.T. Shagwa, <laughs> Zach Jones, Andre Martinez, Tyler Duffy was one of them. Okay. okay. And he, he panned out as a reliever. Yeah. D.J. Baxendale, Christian Powell, Alex Murren, Eric Nabb, Taylor Rogers did pan out. That's good. What round was Taylor Rogers in? Do you have it? He was an eleventh round pick, okay. which kind of shows you the crapshoot nature here, yes. right? Like obviously, absolutely, he became one of the better relievers in baseball. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is a it is a very crapshooty draft. But if the team, like I said, if the team is excited about who they got with the eighth and forty eighth pick, to me that only solidifies. Okay, cool. You feel really good about this draft, right? So maybe you can maybe there's two or three young players here and there that you could package together for Luis Castillo or. Some other I like can it. Help you
1: making trades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, there it is. That's Judd's buffoon or buffoons of the week here on Mackie and Judd. Uh, boys, let's get into this story. Came across here, and I'm I'm going to read you this from a podcast transcript. Brian Windhorst, who Wendy has taken the world by God, storm. He's on fire. Like, Finger pointing speculation that turned out to be true. Just a genius.
2: Incorrect
1: why would <laughs> you touch yeah. and he was a thousand percent right
0: no actually before i read this some people have been i think it was levitard last week did a segment i just saw a write-up about this they were saying if you're wondering how much of a stranglehold guys like schefter and woge have wow. on the league and their employees or their employers about yep. just like how important it is for them to be the newsbreakers brian windhorst is one of the most plugged in He's not Woj plugged in. But Brian Windhorst was like LeBron's beat writer 15 years ago. And he is super plugged in. He's on the Scoop podcast with Doogie once every couple months. We've had him on this show before. And the way he was on on first take doing the finger pointing thing and taking you through this like choose your own adventure. He knew 10 times more information than he was allowed to say is, is what it kind of felt like. Correct. And he had to kind of sit in there and throw out signals to people. Hey. I'm hearing something about what the Jazz are about to do, yes. but I can't really report it because people are going to get mad that Woj wasn't on the forefront of this. <laughs> yes. It's incredible.
1: Cuz I I think in in baseball, so Buster and Kirchin still get tons of stuff, but it all g- goes through passing, right? Like it's Clayton's the lead dog. Yeah, it's yeah. very clear that if you are considered the news breaker there, that you break the news. So like like cuz Br- Brian used to break news consistently like phil you're exactly right he knows an mm-hmm. absolute ton but now it's a uh, oh, you don't break that that's got to be a woge Bob. so careful but that was a genius I, I mean brian's approach that day was just so it was surgical
0: it was a master class in reckless regulation i did see this morning on. Uh, i think it was uh get up with greenie friend of the show mike greenberg and they had Woj on just to, all right, let's uh, hey, we're a couple weeks into free agency. What are the latest stories? But they also had that, is it Tim Bontemps, who's an ESP he's an ESPN NBA yes, reporter. ESPN. Yeah. Not an analyst. He's a reporter, but he's right. like a lower level reporter. Sure. And they had both those guys on set at the same time. And so Woj would throw some out, uh, you know, he'd color in the Durant stuff. Yep. And then Bontemps came in with his own reporting, and then they flash back to Woj, and he's just like, scowling how dare they would put somebody else? on I the want him with me. fired by the end of the day <laughs> the The floor just drops open like a bond movie he's he, got a he's got a button <laughs> 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 all right, so here's Brian Windhorst on a recent episode of the Hoop Collective podcast, which is his own podcast on the uh so according to to windhorst. The hefty haul that jazz executive Danny Ainge garnered for Rudy Gobert has the rest of the league bitching openly. (laughs) This is the word that he used. I love the fact that
1: that's in the copy.
0: (laughs) Quote, what he got for Gobert, this is windy now, what he got for Gobert, which everybody in the league is bitching about, like, can you believe it? How could they possibly do that? I mean, I've talked to 10 different people who have bitched to me about that trade. (laughs) Not only did they get all that stuff, four picks, three unprotected, and one lightly protected, and they offloaded $140 million in salary. So now Danny Ainge has moved the game again when it comes to trade Mm hauls. What do you guys think of the rest of the league for the last two weeks incessantly bitching, quote-unquote, about the Rudy Gobert trade? It actually makes a lot of sense
1: because it now does set the price of poker, so, so like, if you thought, you know what? I'm going to go out and bid on a player I like and he's a really good player, but, but here's, here's what like the current comps are, right? This completely changed that. So like, if they are, if they are quote, bitching about the wolves, like that's a terrible trade. I will continue to not agree with that assessment. But if they are upset about the fact that now that they want to bid on players and that the uh, the team that currently has said player is like, hey, the Gobert ch- thing changed things. I do get that because if you make a major trade now and you don't come away with a haul that is at least close to what the Jazz got, I think you're probably going to be questioned. And and that did not exist prior to this trade because I don't think that there would. I don't think there was previously a comp to this type of trade until this one was made.
0: Well, okay, people keep using the Gobert trade as, well, I mean, if, if Gobert landed that package, right. what's Kevin Durant going to land? All right, this is right. hot take alert here, okay? Oh, boy. Kevin Durant is 33 years old and has four years left on his contract. That's going to be, what, like $200 million or something? So he's you're going to be paying him, what, 50 or 60 whatever it is, $55 million when he's 36, 37? He already has a bunch of injury issues? Mm-hmm. Gobert's 30, so he's not in his mid-20s or anything. But go, there are no signs that Gobert is about to fall off a cliff or anything like that. When you become 33, 34 years old and you've been that high of a usage player and had a torn Achilles a couple years ago, it is much riskier to trade for Kevin Durant unless you think you can win a championship this year. So to me, like I, I'm scratching my head. I'm not saying that Gobert is better than Durant. Although there are some metrics that would tell you based on his defensive impact oh, that boy. he actually is a, he is a more valuable and impactful player. I don't know that I agree with that, but you trade for four years of Kevin Durant at that price tag. He's only going to erode age 34, 35, 36. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it's correct to say that, well, if, if the Wolves gave up this for Gobert, then a team has to give up more for Kevin Durant. I don't know that that's correct logic. It might not be, but I think it's pro- proximity of trade.
1: Which means that Durant is probably going to be the next big name to fall, right? Like he's go he's going to, to be, or I think he and the Nets hope that he is the next guy to be traded. And so I get your point, but I think the bitching stems from the fact that there is an immediate recency bias of, well, we've got to get something close to that package. And the majority of teams are probably going to say, sorry, can't do that. So I think that's the thing. Like a year a year from now, the Gobert trade certainly will have set a precedent. But I don't know that you would be up for the scrutiny that if the Nets made the trade today and they got, you know, half of the package that the Jazz got for Gobert, I think that's the problem. Proximity of trade time.
0: Yeah, it could be. This this whole thing, too, everyone's bitching about this trade. The, the, you know, classic Timberwolves, you know, even like Bill Simmons on his podcast two or three different times just talking about how this is one of the worst trades in NBA history. So you're telling me the Timberwolves, who were one of the highest-scoring offensive teams in the NBA last year with major deficiencies, rim protection rebounding, solved those problems in one trade and now have, in addition to one of the highest-scoring offenses, now have an ironclad ready-made top 10 defense as well that like oh and they gave up some draft picks to mm-hmm. and pat beverly to make it happen that mm-hmm. it was a bad idea or that the timberwolves who've been relevant for exactly 20 minutes in the last correct since 1989 and are now among the the top talkers in the nba that you know i, I mean there's so many angles here that i could i could counter the they gave up too much well they gave up all those draft picks Okay, let's do a review of the last 25 years of NBA draft picks and who's botched the most first round picks. They already have their young star core group of players. I'm not worried that they're going to, you know, miss the 25th overall pick three or four different times. So, and it's like all of this angst because. Well, if they run into the right small lineup in the playoffs, in the second round of the playoffs. Which you'll take. It uh, yeah. could be problematic at some point. It's like, it's the Timberwolves, you guys. That's a weird thing, too, is is I don't think people. So
1: if the Wolves were a heritage franchise that, that had great success, and folks said, this trade seems a little bit weird, I think I'd sort of get that. Like, I still might not hate the trade, but I'd, I'd get that. But walk a mile in our shoes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there's nothing to protect. This has been, and and this is clearly a new administration and owners that want to make an impact. And I can't say I blame them. I can't say that I'm going, Mark Laurie, what are you guys doing? Glenn Taylor built something here and you're tearing it down. Like, I mean, this has been a train wreck, dumpster fire, uh, fan base eroded. It's coming back now, but it it was down to a very small group of hardcore Wolves fans. And I don't think people I it feels like the people that hate this trade in some ways are looking at the Wolves like, like there's just one template for four teams. And there's not. The Wolves have been a mess. The Wolves are trying to get gain fans. And there's been nothing I've seen put out about the 2,022-23 uh, Wolves guys that say this is going to make them worse. Like if somebody said, oh, "No, yeah, okay, absolutely. they dropped their playoff chances, I'd be like, okay, I'm surprised by that, but, that make, but then what you're saying makes sense. Their playoff chances skyrocketed, like everything about it. And there are some cases where I do believe it's in the best interest of a franchise to probably stand pat or try and build... Uh, this is not one of them. This is not one of them. And you, and for all that we are are uh, complaining and and lamenting what Phil j- just said about, well, but what if they go to the playoffs and a small lineup comes out and die? they just witnessed what happened against Memphis. Which, by the way, if Gobert plays in that series, I think the Wolves win.
0: Yeah, like they didn't have a big enough lineup. Correct. Right. And they certainly right? weren't and tough they- enough. I think regardless of the size of the lineup too there were just some things that happened in the second half of those games that was it was m- more related to their mental makeup and inexperience and immaturity than it was like the size of their lineup. But yeah, like Rudy Gobert would have cleaned up some of those offensive rebounding problems. Didn't didn't Memphis have 19 offensive rebounds in one of those games yeah. where they came back down double digits
1: yeah, and they kicked their ass. That
0: ain't happening with Gobert, Gobert. in the mix. Physically. Yeah. And the other thing too offensively mm-hmm. The other criticism I keep hearing is, I mean, Gobert's a guy that you just don't have to account for offensively. Okay. He's replacing a guy in Jordan and in, um, Jared Vanderbilt that you also didn't have to account for offensively. And he's he's better offensively than Jared Vanderbilt because he's more efficient and he can catch lobs and all these things. He's a, a better pick and roll player and screen setter for D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. So they didn't. If if they were taking you know if they were taking Cat out of the lineup or something and replacing with Gobert, okay, wow, you made your defense better, but you just took Cat off the floor. They're not they're not doing that, right? So I I don't know these. I have a lineup question for you too, but we should uh, we should shout out one of our friends here if uh, if you think that the Wolves gifted the Jazz a bunch of things. You know, you haven't seen the real gift here, which is a spiral light candle. Okay, if if the wolves had thrown in like five spiral light candles, then I'd be outraged. Then the deal is That's done. Too because, much to give up. No, yeah.
1: the the scent is so good. They're gorgeous. They're they're great. And, and in fact, it's family owned and operated, so the shipping is uh, quick. As I just said, lots of great scents that will make your home smell fantastic. And as Phil just said, it's a great gift, anniversary, birthdays, anything. Absolutely fantastic. And. For fans of the purple, coming soon. Not available yet, but it it will be soon. Uh, Judd's purple positivity candle. That's exactly right. The scent. I'm going to describe the scent and imagine this: sitting on the porch of a cabin, surrounded by pines and wildflowers, with the promise of musk. With, with the promise of a coming storm, known as the Vikings' defense. Visit SpiralLightCandles.com spirallightcandles.com light uh, a lot of great options they are cool they are awesome and again a great gift
0: Spiralightcandles.com. dot uh, a coming storm known as judd's cousins takes that's right <laughs> you will smell like judd's cousins it's, the Vikings takes. De- are glorious it, it's the defense
1: man it's a blitz this candle is a blitz zero blitz
0: so the lineup is cat gobert this is after now Austin Rivers was signed for a, a veteran minimum contract when you were partying in your James Bond suit at a at a wedding in I Iowa here Friday. Shout out Mighty Ducks. So Cat, yeah, he's he's all in, man. Oh, it's awesome. He's got, the Mighty, he's got the Mighty Ducks, you know, avatar now on Twitter, right. Instagram. So Kat Gobert, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, D'Angelo Russell, and then your bench right now. It's just it's a lot of lanky three and D guys to varying degrees, Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, Austin Rivers, Jordan McLaughlin, not really a lanky 3-and-D guy, but he can run a point as a backup point guard, Jalen Noel, Nasrit, Bryn Forbes is the three-point shooter that they signed to sort of make up for what they're losing with Beasley gone, and then the two top draft picks in Wendell Moore and second-round pick Josh Minot. What do you think? Now, I'm not expecting you to break down the Austin Rivers and t- nose <laughs> here, but it just kinda of feels like I like this. I maybe it lacks a maybe there's one more big man you could bring in at some point. I don't know if if Nas Reed is enough, but I kinda of like this. It's solid because when
2: you get a guy like Rudy Gobert, you start to open up not floodgates, but it gets it becomes things become more attractive. And look, Austin Rivers isn't, you know, a superstar. He's not a form he's not not an all star by any means, but it makes your team better. Um, it's a contagious fact when you get someone like Rudy Gobert, and it kind of helps set that market. You know, I was I was looking um, at last night at their over under win total. So points bet at NBC Sports put the Wolves over under win total at forty nine and a half, which actually there still could be low. But I mean, that's a sick. That's what a sixteen point jump from their preseason over under win total last season. At least Vegas thirty four and a half. Yeah, so, yeah I mean f- fifteen or sixteen. That's significant. Yeah. They won forty eight games last year, and I would still honestly hit the old forty
0: forty six. They won forty six right last year.
2: Yes, they won forty six. Okay, so they're they're saying they're going to be at least a three win better team at least next season, and I would honestly put it at fifty right now. I mean, if you can get to fifty wins, it'd be an improvement. If you got Rudy Gobert, that's the that's the case. But in terms of their lineup, I think it makes things a lot easier. It just it they're they were so small last year, and now with Rudy Gobert, who's just a giant and a freak of nature in the paint defensively, it makes everyone's job so much easier.
1: So I think where I'm most intrigued by this entire thing too is what Finch is going to do as far as strategy with the personnel goes. Um, I think he's really good. And I think he's at a point now with this team, and especially with hopefully the resulting maturity of going through a first-round playoff loss, that this whole thing is going to start to gel as a cohesive team now. So I think it's going to be... See, the Gobert Towns thing, I think people are sweating that too much. Oh man, I get the two bigs. What are you going to do? First of all, Towns is a incredibly unique talent.
0: I mean, he shoots threes yeah, at a 40% his, clip. Exactly. He Offensively, is a, it is not a problem.
1: He is a freak. He is a freak in a very good way. Gobert is going to uh, free Towns up to do stuff that if Towns did previously, it actually became a problem. Finch is a very smart X's and O's coach. So I think where I'm most intrigued is the building of a team that the coach is going to have probably or almost certainly an exact idea of how he sees things going in. So yeah, I, I think they win right now off the top of my head. I think 50 plus wins is fair. I agree.
0: Not like, yeah, 49 and a half is a really good. The, the 34 and a half last year was like, really feels like unless someone tears an ACL, they're probably going to win more than 34 and a half. Forty nine and a half makes you pause a little because the Western Conference is going to be so competitive. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd take the over.
1: I think I'm with you guys, and they this. should not be a playing tournament team this time. Like I, I will be disappointed. I think that they should make the playoffs and not have to play in that round.
0: Yeah, how many teams in the West, and and we have not seen the last of the player movement here. So it's if the suns find a way to add durant or something but they now they can't trade deandre ayton for 12 months but so just as rosters stand right now how many of these teams are for sure better than the timberwolves i'm going to say the suns for now but chris paul keeps getting older yep they've they've had two playoff devastations you know I, yep. do they take a step back but they won 64 games last year the warriors definitely Yes. They're the best. It's funny because they're, they're probably going to be better next year than they were this last year. Getting some young guys back, Wiseman back from injury. Mm-hmm. The I don't know that I I don't know that the Grizzlies are better than the Timberwolves now. I don't know that the Nuggets. No. and the Mavericks. I don't think the Nuggets are. Mavericks just
1: lost Jalen Brunson. I, think, I wouldn't say that the Wolves are clearly better than those teams, but I think it's a draw right now. At, Clippers at the getting Kawhi least. back. Yeah, although I guess my question there is, for how long? I mean, he is perpetually hurt now, or or just needs load management, or doesn't want to play. But I mean, six the, days a week. But the point is, I don't think that I don't think that you can for sure say that, that the Clippers are going to get a full year of Kawhi. I mean, he's mm-hmm. an odd odd dude, so that might not happen. No. So yeah, so, and no,
0: you guys keep bitching about the trade, and NBA. think about this, you guys.
1: The one thing that might be one of the most genius parts about the Gobert trade by Conley is this. He might, there is a chance that he has frozen Durant in the Eastern Conference. Possibly, Because yeah. if you're the Suns and you're like, I'm not going to do that type of, Wolves are crazy. Well, now Durant's not going to be a son, So, like, he he might have actually frozen him on that roster for an extended period of time.
0: And I don't think the Suns can make the trade anymore because I think their big asset would have been Deandre Ayton. I don't. I guess I don't know how they get him without trading Booker or Aiden. Yeah.
1: So who trades the for other, Durant now? Like if if there well, is the, a viable the,
0: team, the team that has the most ammo. Yeah. But it makes no sense. Is Golden State. Golden State has young players. They've yeah, got I don't think the Andrew ones. Wiggins contract as a chip that can be moved. Interesting. But if you're the if I don't know why Durant would even want to do that a second time, or they're they're literally coming off a championship and you just leech back on. Just gravy traded back. And if you're the Warriors, yeah, if you're the Warriors, <laughs> like do you want to do that again?
1: No, I don't think I do. Just yeah, just
0: do it the way that you're doing it. I'm guessing there's a
1: lot of drama surrounding KD that if you're the Warriors, you probably went through once.
0: Yeah, it was fine. It got you two more championships that maybe you would have won anyways without it. I don't know. Absolutely. So, um, hey, later this month, the Federated Challenge is firing back up. Again, they've helped raise with all of their partners and their network $44 million since 2005 for Big Brothers Big Sisters, which exists to provide children facing adversity with strong, enduring, professionally supported one-to-one relationships that can change lives forever. If you want to find out how you can be a part of this great cause or become a big yourself, Go to federatedchallenge.org, federatedchallenge.org. All right, that's a wrap. Mackie and Judd here. Um, Judd is back from his wedding weekend, the first off day he has taken, basically, in two and a half or three years. And look at that. Look at that. What a stud.
1: That, that By the way, in my left hand, just to be very clear, that's Dawn's drink.
2: I, I noticed you were double fisted. Yeah, I'm not I, double fisting. And I know I love that That's you asked drink. for a photo and said, "Well, I'll just hold your drink, honey." And then so then you just do the pose and you have both drinks. And your I hand was waiting.
1: Full disclosure. I was I was hoping that somebody would say, "Aren't you Judd Zolgad? So that uh-huh. I could spew off some sports takes. No, no, nobody did.
0: Not much. Like liable. there were some
1: folks from in town <laughs> here though, and I thought sure. you know they'd be like, "Hey, you are on that podcast? Let's talk sports." So I was like, "Hey, what's up?"
0: The first happened. time I've ever heard you say, "I hope I would get recognized yeah, somewhere." That's never. It was
1: reception time. Look I thought to myself. I thought to myself, you know. I mean, if somebody wants to approach me to ask about like the twins or the Vikings, uh, okay. hot, hot takes. I always got the hot takes. Yeah, but it didn't
0: happen. Yeah, if you see Judd in the grocery store, now just know that he's nope. wide open to no, no,
1: no, no, no. That's only suit Judd. Only suit okay. Judd wants to be talked to.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll uh, over on purple. Over on purple daily, we have. We're going to get into the Ben Lieber comments that have taken the nation by storm now. The breaking news, the breaking news that Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins maybe didn't get along all that well. So check us out on Purple Daily. Mackie and Judd.
3: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division-favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time, and clearly he's not ready to hang up the cleats.